Damon just texted me to say he's arrived on the island. Hold down the fort while I go meet him, Jimmy. He is the sponsor of today's episode, after all. Too bad I'm making him wait a bit to talk about Reptilicus, though. Anyway, I'll be back in... Miss Perkins! I... I thought about it. And you were right, Nate. But those blasted influencers were in my earrings, not my glasses. I'm sorry. Corone! I should chase her down, but I have to keep up appearances by doing the show. I'll let Jet Jack run her to keep Corone safe in the meantime. The board won't let her get away with breaking free of their control. Jimmy and I will definitely be talking with her after the show. We all need each other now more than ever. Mm. The board must be stopped, no matter the cost. Live from the KIJU studios in beautiful Ogasawara, this is The Monster Island Film Vault, episode 49, The Magic Serpent, featuring Damon Noyes. Hello, Kaiju lovers, and welcome to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast seeking entertainment and enlightenment through Tokusatsu. I am your host, Monster Island's very own film curator, Nate Marchand, and thankfully today, we've got my intrepid producer back where he belongs, in the producer booth. Yes, Jimmy, I missed you too. But we are joined today by a very special guest. In fact, this whole shebang today was his fault. (laughs) His dang fault. Because this is a Patreon-sponsored episode. And with me today is MIFV Max member and everyone's favorite mailman, Damon. Make some noise! Konnichiwa, peoples. <laughs> uh, I'm sure you've gotten that joke all the time at this by this point. It's either that or are you keeping cool or <laughs> wet enough for you? <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> it's okay. It's okay. Standard practice. <laughs> yeah. And like this time, you get to be on the show. Not only is this your episode, so. You're basically in charge at this point. I'm not riffing off Michael this time. It's great. (laughs) Yeah, and now you're, yeah, it's just you and me. I mean, the last time I had you here for Gamera versus Gauss, it was because I needed a replacement. (laughs) I needed a MST3K lover to come on to replace my previous guest. And and I was just sloppy seconds just sitting around (laughs) waiting for nothing. Yep. This is how you get discovered. Anyway. Of course. <laughs> so you hear that agents, any talent agents out there, I'm waiting to be discovered. Just delivering mail, man. <laughs> and thank you, thank you, Nate. Thank you for not asking where your check was. I get that <laughs> at the beginning of every month, man. Uh, it gets old. Uh, oh, I'm sure. But uh, I mean, I made some jokes in the previous episode about the powers that be. My boss is here paying me. So... Uh, yeah. <laughs> I believe you get paid in shekels. Uh, sometimes it feels like that. Sometimes mm-hmm. it's rupees, and I don't mean the Indian currency. I mean 
the stuff that's in Legend of Zelda, you know, the rupees oh, in there. I mean, they basically they tell me if you want to get paid, you got to go outside with a sword and hack all the clay pots and the bushes to find your money. At yeah. least they don't pay you in all oh, our eternal gratitude. <laughs> uh, I, I'm a little afraid that it's going to become that soon, but <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, Damon. Since yes. this is your episode, you want to tell the kaiju lovers what we're talking about today. We are talking about the best bad movie in Toei's entire library. Oh, God. I'm not even going to attempt the... My Japanese is so bad. I'm not going to uh, attempt here, the original, I'll try it. Called... Here, I'll Go try ahead. it for you. It's Keryu Daikessen. The decisive battle of the giant magic dragon, otherwise known in America as... The Magic Serpent. <laughs> Which is, uh, to be honest, a little bit of an ironic title. It's almost like Lord of the Rings because the English title is referring to the villain, even though there are yeah. other kaiju in this. It's, yeah, and it's not kaiju. really about him, but... Mm. <laughs> well, that will be later. We're leaving it for the rest of the show because yeah. we have a lot of notes on this one, even though most of them are funny. <laughs> Yeah, this, but let this me, I gotta seem... tell you, I gotta tell you how I got to the island though. It is a story, and oh. I think Jimmy will really like this. Oh. Okay, you know, I totally understand, but just wait till you hear the story, okay? <laughs> I was driving to the airport. Our airport's kind of outside town, so out in the field somewhere, and like this weird swirling vortex just oh, opens no. up and just sucks me right in. You Hot know? dang. I was ripped into an alternate timeline. Oh no. Still still Earth, sort of. But and I was right in the middle of a battle between Earth and the, this alien invading race called the Zentradi. Oh. I don't know if you've heard of them. Oh, boy. Now, I was conscripted to take over for this uh, pilot who's just died. His name was Roy Fokker. Uh, <laughs> I was given a quick course in piloting these what looked like F-14s, but apparently they also transform into mechs, which is, oh. I will not lie, totally cool. Now, I, I was thrown completely... <laughs> Completely thro thrown into a fight, not knowing a thing under this really whiny kid named Rick Hunter. I mean, I could not understand why this guy was in control of us. He was the leader. It was just made no sense at all. Anyway, I don't know how long I was there. It seemed like forever. Moving from battle to battle and even in space, they have this giant battleship thing called uh, Macross, I think is its name. Ah. And, and it just would move us from place to place just to go wherever we needed to go. But eventually, though, Admiral Glowval and First Officer Lisa Hayes, they decided to use their Dimension Tide engine, which oh, is their, it, it, rips, it rips apart reality, apparently, to get them where they need to go without crossing the intervening space. And I found myself back here, minus my car. Oh, no. But, but with a Veritech. Oh. I, I have my own Veritech now. It was fully functional. And so, yeah, PTSD, the horrors of war, but I got a cool mech out of it. Exactly. Exactly. We, like, you and I are right there, man. Right there. Uh, okay, okay. I didn't die and come back. That, fine. You're one step ahead of me. Yeah, well, you might want to keep an eye on that thing. Jimmy might steal it for his garage. I, it is. I, it, I it am is not getting, my producer's is, keeper, just so you know. <laughs> Uh, it is getting refueled in the garage right now. He's welcome to have a look-see over it uh, after the show. The weapons are not hot. I did take them offline. So, you know, no accidents. No accidents. Yeah. I mean, it's basically a, a giant multi-million dollar gun. You know, so yeah. you, oh, you got to make yeah, well, sure you unload it when you store it, obviously. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, 
nations are tense right now, so I'm not mm. unloading it completely. I, yeah, uh. I don't want to. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> for sure but we're not a current events podcast <laughs> this is true <laughs> but yes the magic serpent <laughs> all right yes let's go back to the magic serpent yes, because yes, nothing yes, yes. nothing beats getting rid of that sour aftertaste in current events than to go back to the 17th century in japan <laughs> when ninjas yes. and magicians and sorcerers and kaiju were everywhere Yes. You know, it's funny because you and I were watching this today and I have to confess, I am a little bit upset with myself. You did your due diligence before you came here and you watched the movie, even though you know we're supposed to watch it together for the show, which this is, is you know, true. It's, it's tradition on the show. Of course. I have been, ever since you made your sponsorship on MIFE Max, I decided I must procure this for the vault because for some other reason, it's not there. I then tracked down the, you know, a couple different editions of it. Unfortunately, a properly done Japanese version did not arrive in time for the vault. So all I had was a horribly uh, cropped <laughs> pen and scan, been sitting in an ash can for 50 years, <laughs> you know, you DVD know, copy AI of the dub version. And I was a little upset. It's tragic what AIT, AIT being American International yeah, Television, because this yeah. went right to television. It didn't even get a, a production in a movie theater. It went right to TV, which is why the pan and scan. I mean, they brought us so much, albeit not necessarily the best qualities of all the stuff they brought, but this was probably their worst hack job I've ever seen. Oh, yeah. <laughs> And the company that released it is like Retro Media or something like that. I don't even know if they yeah. exist anymore. No, they don't. I went and looked them up last night, and oh, uh, yeah, because Retro Media uh, is com completely defunct. Now. Yeah, yeah. Even though they have a link saying like, "Hey, come here and check this." The hilarious yep. thing is that it's a double bill DVD <laughs> with, ironically, the last movie you were here to talk about. I could not <laughs> believe that when I saw that. <laughs> the I, Return I, of the Giant I, Monsters. Went, Wait a minute! I know which one this is. Space Bat. Yes. <laughs> yes. Actually, no, that's later. <laughs> no, that's not Space Bat, but <laughs> Giant Vampire Sonic Bat. Yeah, there, there you go. go. Yes, for, <laughs> for, yeah, for Return of the Giant Monsters, which is the dubbed version of Gamma vs. Gauss. And the hilarious thing is, that's what they sell this disc on. Like, yeah. you see Gamera's on the cover. It says, Return of the Giant Monsters. And then in tiny text the below, serpent. it says, The Magic Serpent. And then you turn around and look at the back. It's got, oh, it's a picture of Gamera and a picture of Gauss. And 80 plus percent of the back cover copy is about Return of the Giant Monsters. And then the Magic Serpent yeah. gets two sentences and one little <sighs> screenshot. And I'm just... And that, tell, that tells you the love that AIT and everybody else does not have for this movie. And it's a crying <laughs> shame because despite the poor quality of the transfer, despite the bad dubbing, despite the removal of the original monster sounds and the replacement by Showa Godzilla sounds. That is so makes, bizarre. But anyway, we'll get into that. We'll get into that. Despite all that, yeah. the magic serpent is, I think in its original form, worthy of at least a good critical watch. You get the real actors' voices. You, you see the actual performances obviously. I mean, it's still got the cheesy 1966 paint-by-numbers magical effects on it, but, yeah. you know, they were doing their best. It was Toei. What do they know? Yeah, I, mean, I was going to say, let me run through some basic production information Please. on this, because it's not the most obscure film, but it's obscure enough that I think a lot of people, even in the kaiju fandom, may not know what exactly we're talking about here. The so fact just, that you didn't have it says a lot, though. Yes. 
<laughs> exactly. So, just to give a quick little rundown. So, the story Sweet. here. In a nutshell, our hero is the son of a lord who is raised by a wizard, and he goes on a quest to avenge the deaths of his parents against the traitors, including a powerful shapeshifter who killed them. It's a great story. Yeah. It's a tale uh, as old as time. <laughs> exactly, Jimmy. It, it, you just heard him. He's normally not into fantasy films like this, but as he watched this, it started to remind him of something that's very near and dear to his heart, which we'll get into. Always glad to hear from Jimmy on these subjects. Yes. So, as you mentioned, this was made by Toei, which is mm. interesting. You know, Toei <laughs> is better known for their tokusatsu television shows, like your Common Riders and your Super Sentais and all that. By the way, shameless plug, everybody go listen to my spinoff podcast with Travis Alexander, The Henshin Men. Henshin Kick! Yeah. <laughs> Henshin Kick Award. <laughs> yes. Anyway, and it was released March 6, 1966, which I find fascinating because that's the same year as Daimajin, the whole trilogy. There's yeah. some other really interesting... It wasn't the year of the Kaiju, which was 1967, but this but was... It was close because Ibira came out in December of 66. Uh-huh. And we all know the Frankenstein story of that one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And then 66 was also when we had War of the Gargantua. So just to kind of put it into perspective here. And keep in mind, Daimajin in particular is important because one of the things that was really popular at the time besides Kaiju was Chanbara, which is samurai films. And oh, yes. I would say this isn't quite a samurai film, but it's it, certainly trying to fit itself into that trend at the time. I think it goes farther back than the traditional samurai story. It's definitely earlier feudal period. Mm-hmm, like, mm-hmm. you don't see a lot of honorable warriors in this one. Yeah. There's a lot of talk of ninja. Yes. There's a lot of subversive and discreet warriors happening here. A lot of yeah. spies, a lot of people behaving as if, you know, oh, I'm not who I say I am, mm-hmm. but you don't know that. Yeah, which we'll oh, get yes. into. So, our cast okay. here includes Hiroki Matsukata as Ikazuki Maru Ogata a.k.a. Jiraiya, which means Young Thunder, Tomoko Ogawa as Tsunade, Ryotaro Otomo as Orochimaru, and Bin Amatsu as Daijo Yuki. And if any of those character names sound familiar, there are reasons. It was directed by Tetsuya Yamanochi. It was written by Masaru Igami, based on the story The Tale of Gallant Jiraiya by Mokuami Kawatake. It was produced by Shigeru Okada and Tadasuke Shinkai, and the music was by Toshioki Tsushima. Well, the music that stayed in hmm? the movie. Yes. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yeah. We'll, on which we'll talk about that, too. Yeah. Yeah. And as you mentioned, it was released by AIP TV in the United States, but it went straight to TV. It didn't go to theaters. Here's the thing. I looked at a couple different sources, and they gave different years for when it was released in the United States, once in 1968, once in 1970. Yeah, I'm going with 68 because that came from what I think is a slightly more reliable source. <laughs> I, I would say 68 too, just basically usually takes two years to get the dubbing correct. And yeah, yeah. And speaking of the dubbing, it was dubbed by Titan Productions or Tetra Productions. That's a name that you'll hear floated around a lot in oh, yeah. the Tokusatsu circles. They did a lot of dubbing. It was directed by Brett Morrison, who himself was a voice actor. Yep, and they. Did make some edits. <laughs> Jiraiya, <laughs> in the original version, had a training montage during the credits. This was replaced with a backdrop of the titular dragon. <sighs> yeah. 
Yeah, and then the song Forward Jiraiya was replaced with instrumental music from another part of the movie. And as you hinted at, all the monsters' roars were replaced. And I was wondering, since unfortunately my Japanese copy has not arrived yet, I was wondering if that was in the original because it threw me off hard when okay. I started hearing very familiar Sh- roars from very familiar friends. I will even go through it because that, I made specific notes of this last night. So the dragon, Orochimaru, turns into basically a Chinese dragon. Though it's a water, he also you know breathes water like antlers. out as a, as a as a ray. It's just, and he has the big antlers. It's a beautiful, beautifully made it kaiju, is. and it is a man in suit, which you think wouldn't work, and yet it does. It's a it's actually quite good for of Toei to actually invest the money in something so elaborate and so beautiful to look at. Now, its original roar is unique to the Japanese movie. When they changed it, they gave it Showa Godzilla's roar and Gaira's chuff. Oof. <laughs> it's just so weird because when it's now a I weird know, combination okay, you keep talking i'm gonna remind myself when war of the gargantua was, was released because if this was in march it's subtle though you he would do the godzilla roar and then it would do a gyra chuff at mm-hmm. the end of it and i replayed it like several times to make sure i was getting oh the, you know, no oh no did they steal it oh no what Just beat it or oh, the gargantuas was where the gargantuas was in July. <laughs> <gasps> no, no, no. Let's 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 but, not be thinking but of anything this was nefarious. Well, wait, 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 wait. This was added later. They stole it from the movie. Yes, they stole it. They stole they it. Stole it, 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 it from the movie. Yeah, the ch- but, wait, but wait. Gargantuas didn't get released in the U.S. until 1970. So if this was released so, in the U.S. in 1968, my brain but, hurts. <laughs> but the chuff was still. Toho original. Yes. So somehow they must have found the sound file, or they just knew about Japanese movies. They saw the original I, I, Japanese. I, so went, maybe hey, somebody. Want that sound. Uh, maybe somebody in the dub I, was you know I, friends with the right people. I know. I I, I I try not to look too deeply into this thing yeah. because it, it does, like you said, it makes my brain hurt. Okay, it's a giant eagle, but let's be honest. We all know it's giant condors. Very first. Film appearance. <laughs> it beats out what we thought was his first appearance in Toho's Ibira Horror of the Deep in December of 66. Yep. This was March of 66. Here it is, that giant marionette bird. Yeah, yeah this was Daikondoro being discovered. He, uh, he exactly. Was, he was this, is, this, is, this is his commercial. This yeah, is his first yeah. commercial. He was slumming it a little bit, and then you know he managed to audition yet, for Toei. And- but his first appearance, he gets a good hit on the dragon cuts it and just bleeds oh my like, gosh like that, a fountain. that was, was the weirdest thing about these credits was like did you intentionally okay i get it that you want to freeze frame on the dragon for the credits right <laughs> did you intentionally pick the part where he's splurting blood <laughs> it's like yeah, and- yeah guys yeah boys you like the bleeding dragon here's the bleeding dragon <laughs> And in the original Japanese defense, you didn't ever see that. So we don't have to worry until it actually happens. So we yeah. never knew it was coming. Yeah. Now, its sound effect was normally an actual bird call. And I'm assuming it's some kind of hawk because I, I couldn't quite track it down to what, what it was. Probably <laughs> just some sound file that they found. Too much time in my Veritech kind of scrambled my brains. 
but they replaced it with Mothra's Church. That is the weirdest one. And when I heard I, the, when I was oh watching it and I heard the bird sounding like Mothra, my brain could not process this. It's a good thing Jessica was not in the same room with me. <laughs> she would have lost her mind. It was it was I had to stop and just process it for a while. It's like <laughs> Mothra deserves so much better than this. Why? Why yeah, would you do yeah, this to yeah. her? And right? it's also a good thing that the twins were not visiting Mothra this oh. week because I think they might have been a little offended. <laughs> they, they, well, and we also have to know they, they might have directed their ire at the wrong beings, and that would yeah. have been yeah. to their detriment. We yeah. don't want the And the last Condor thing getting... we need them to do is to send Mothra to Japan to ransack Toei. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> They're having enough trouble as it is. Yes, yes. Um, <laughs> the giant toad that Jiraiya turns into, our hero, mm-hmm. Some reason uh, toads are birds now because another uh, well not birds but I guess ter- giant radiated pterodactyls because it had Rodan's call, <laughs> yeah. which again makes no sense. Amphibians <laughs> and reptiles are not related that closely, <laughs> uh, unless think, it's Jurassic Park. <laughs> but it's a giant toad. You think it would go? Rawr, rawr. <laughs> no, no, no. You know what the toad should have said? Bud, wise, er. This was 1966. Budweiser's campaign wasn't quite there yet. <laughs> that wasn't until 1984. But it would have been glorious. <laughs> it would have been interesting, at least. We could always redub it. I mean, that's not the problem. <laughs> I am up now, for a fa- Hey, I'm up for a fan dub of the Magic Serpent, are you? <laughs> I, we could do better than AIP did. That's what I'm sure. <laughs> oh, there's a funny project for us. But you know, interestingly enough, we hinted, we, well, we kind of lampooned a little bit, but the whole condor taking a chunk out of the Orochi's scalp there and have that fountain of blood. I think it predates all the bloodletting in Toho, oh, uh, Toho Showa era. It does. And it was egregious amounts of blood. For, and, you know, I can <laughs> only assume that they this knew was that also, head wounds. This was also the same year as Gamera versus Barugan when they started and, the excessive gore yeah. tradition. <laughs> That's right. So this must have, you know, everybody but Toho must have gotten on the bloodletting bandwagon early on. You can thank Subaraya for that. He didn't want to do it. Unless it was on TV. I know. Ultra 7 can decapitate all the monsters he wants. But he'll even cut one of their throats and get a fountain of blood. blood from the stump. I mean, I've been rewatching the Ultra series and it's mostly a clean cut and you have like this flat red surface. So it's not quite super fountains of blood going off yet. Not like anime. Uh, well, we're even, yeah. a, no- even uh, a nosebleed, you know, gets rid of 12 pints of blood. <laughs> Which only happens when you see a pretty girl. But anyway, <laughs> but I had to, I have to bring this up because when I saw the scene, I actually wrote down in my notes, hmm, it's Lord of the Rings, except the Eagles did come. because that's the joke everyone says everyone keeps saying lord of the rings is over in 10 minutes if you just have the eagles show up and then i've heard some very interesting defenses about how no (laughs) well here's the thing to take it side tangent for that the reason why i watch a a guy on tiktok who knows all the obscure lord of the rings facts and he said that the reason why that would be a bad idea is the Lord of the Eagles would have taken the ring for himself and being a proud leader would have fallen prey to the ring's influence. Yeah. And that would have been terrifying. Yes. <laughs> so, but, but yeah. any of you, but anybody out there who thinks, why didn't the Eagles show up at the beginning? You get your wish in the magic serpent. I hope you're happy. That's right. It happens right <laughs> at the beginning and it happens again at the end. So <laughs> mm. <laughs> ha- happy endings all around. <laughs> Yay. Anyway, so, uh, but and then did you know they actually, I don't know if you uh, knew about this. Did you know that they actually changed the spider? 
Yeah. Except I... the spider is a little bit more obscure, <laughs> at least according to Wikizilla. It's supposed yeah. to be Kiala or Kila? Kyla? I'm not sure how to pronounce it, but it's an ultra kaiju. Really? Yeah. Okay, that I did not know. I know that it predated Toho's version of like Kumunga. Yeah, some people think that, that this spider it, it inspired, inspired it because because it, it shot the webbing out of its mouth rather mm-hmm. than its abdomen. And okay, there's there's another note I have about this. This oh good lord. Oh. At least when Toho did webbing, they used a completely toxic fiberglass shooting substance, and it made it look actually like webbing. Mm-hmm. What do they do here, Toei? Cutting corners, foam, <laughs> shaving foam. <laughs> Completely unbelievable. You know it's shaving foam. Did the dragon have a little bit of hair? Maybe he needed a shave. Well, he did have a little chin whiskers, so it's oh, but those could be tendrils and not chin yeah. whiskers. But yeah. I mean, Chinese dragons tend to be rather furry. So yes. it's possible he needed a shave. Yeah. I mean I mean Ghidorah had a, a little bit of hair. I mean Well, you know, he's a space dragon. They have different rules. Well, yes, I understand. But you know, <laughs> magic magic serpent. But <laughs> So where do we want to go with this? How do we do? We want to begin at the beginning and not stop until we come to the end and just uh, kind of well, riff uh, little bits. Or my I mean, notes, uh, my notes are actually in chronological order for the movie. The Japanese version, I was mostly concerned with seeing it for the very first time, so I kept very little notes, and I was mostly more interested in the differences that I had remembered from mm-hmm. the American version. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and, um, the, and I I also have notes about the source material, which we can save yeah. until we can either do now or we can save until after we have finished talking about the movie. It's up to you. This well, is your let's show. Let's do that as an informational dump at the end, because you right. know, I also went down that rabbit hole, and I'm really... As a lover of 19th century literature, I really want the 43-volume set of the source material. (laughs) It would be interesting if it was actually translated. There's an assignment for you, Jimmy. See if the you know the tale of Gallant Jariah has ever been translated. My that would be fantastic. Get right on that, Jimmy. (laughs) Hey, calm down, man. Be nice. Be nice. He's paying your bills this week. And you know, I would have asked Gary, but he's no longer with us, Jimmy. So as a favor. To Gary, could you please at least hunt something down? Hashtag for Gary. Hashtag for Gary. Okay. Well, let's go in order then. Let's start with the beginning and see where that leads us. Because I have some interesting notes too. Yeah, I've got a handful. I've already made. You know, another movie that this actually started reminding me of, especially at the beginning. I think we talked about this a little bit off the air before we got started, but the first probably 10 minutes or so really reminds me of Dime Machine. And I mentioned it came yeah. out the same year. Oh, that, the and I said the same thing in my notes, like opening sequence, opening of Dime Machine, except you don't know that the Shogun has a child until no. the wife, as she's dying, says, oh, and protect, you know, uh, Ikurugi, whatever his name is. Yeah. I, I, I only know him as Jiraiya because it's an easier name to remember. <laughs> it is an easier name to remember. Uh, Ikazuchi. 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 So, yeah. Ikazuchi. Protect Mario. Ikazuchi. And then she dies. It's like, who the hell is Ikazuchi? Oh, it's the kid. Yeah. Okay. Yes. You know, it's not, it's not boy and a girl. It's just the one kid. But still, it said Daimajin all over this. And it's like, yeah. Someone's been kiping from other studios. What the hell's going on here? Yes. But you know, another movie that this reminded me of, but it's kind of the. I feel bad calling it this, but it's kind of the four man's <laughs> version of it. The three treasures. <laughs> I tried not to let that affect me at all. To the point where I almost want a crossover. I kind of want a crossover with Jiraiya and Yamato Takeru. <laughs> that, <laughs> that would be I mean, really cool. I'm just saying. Eh, they're both heroes. They are. And I mean, uh, although I have a feeling Yamato Takeru, well, no, it wasn't Yamato Takeru who 
uh, in, in the original movie anyway, who killed Orochi. But <laughs> well, here you know, I could write you the prospectus for this. You have them to meet. One being a sorcerer, one being a holy, basically a holy warrior, and they have a misunderstanding, and they have to fight like all superheroes do. Yes, it's and the then then realize, wait a minute, there's a bad guy laughing on a cliff o- over us. <laughs> he wants us. To- wait, that's the bad guy who told me to kill you. No, that's the bad guy who told me to kill you. Let's be friends now. Let's kill him. Uh, uh, and, he, and by the way, he turns into a giant serpent. Oh, uh, unless uh, he's got eight more heads, I'm not worried. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> you know, this is going to be too easy for me. Why don't you just do your thing first and I'll clean up? It's like, oh, wait, you turn into a frog? Oh. <laughs> oh, yeah. Uh, yeah. Oh, crap. Well, this got a little more interesting. Anyway, <laughs> but yeah, it, so it's kind of a poor man's. Uh, three treasures if, if, to me in a, in a yeah. lot of ways it's shorter but and it's wackier for sure because three treasures took itself very seriously and I, I was starting to notice very early on because again don't have the japanese version yet but uh, you know we got saddled with the horrible dub version and there are points where the dub audio is just so poorly preserved in this version I have to that agree. I was it's... like are they actually speaking japanese because this audio sounds terrible well, now, Jiraiya, I'm giving this to the dub actor. The dub actor did what he could with what he had. In the original Japanese, the actor who played Jiraiya was very staid, you know, reserved as a period piece. You're mm-hmm. not supposed to show a lot of emotion in your voice. That note did not translate over to the dub because <laughs> he shows so much authenticity, Western authenticity and, and emotion in his death, especially after the death of his mentor. Okay, we need to talk about Japanese Gandalf. <laughs> yeah, Japanese Gandalf, yes. Because <laughs> that's what he is. He's Japanese Gandalf. He, this is actually a character who is not in the original folktale. We did not a little bit, because this is based on a Japanese folktale, which inspired that series of novels. But this is also, we're kind of jumping ahead again to some, you know, some, uh, you know, fun facts. But, it's almost you know, impossible not to. I mean. Yeah, yeah. Because, and, it's, <laughs> and, and it's important for this. This is not the only adaptation of this, as we'll you know we'll talk a little bit more about it later. Right. But the old man is not from the original folktale. He is actually from a Kabuki theater adaptation of this story. Because Kabuki loves their old mystic men. Yes. Because in the original folktale, Jiraiya was trained by a frog spirit. Hence why he turns into a giant toad. Yes. <laughs> well, toad spirit, I should say. It's a toad spirit. Yeah. Yeah, except even in the Japanese version, the subtitles calls it a frog. Yeah. And okay. I think that the the word for frog and toad is the same in Japanese. I'm not sure. I'd have to do yeah. more research. I yeah. didn't But anyway, didn't we got, so we got this guy here. And oh, it, it is at this point, and Jimmy can vouch for this because, you know, I mean, you saw him. He, you know, he tapped me on the shoulder, and he's like, you really so much just reminds me of Star Wars. And, <laughs> <laughs> which at that point he's like, he perked up a little bit. He's like, I'm not normally into these, but this is, this is Star Wars. <laughs> and according to some of the research I looked at, George Lucas hasn't necessarily come out and said this, but there are people who have been theorizing for a long time that this must have had, uh, he had to have inspired he had to have at least a little bit of Star Wars. He had to have seen it. We know he has credited the Hidden Fortress, the however, Hidden Fortress, as the, yeah. the primary source material for Star Wars. But there are too many little bits and pieces of this 
Yeah. Just to rattle a few off uh, just from memory, you know, so you've got the young hero being trained by the old man who is basically an old wizard and basically teaches him magic powers and things that look like the force. And <laughs> and then the mentor dies, spoiler warning, and then you know he's going off to fight this villain who doesn't turn out to be his father, but turns out to be his girlfriend's father. There you go. <laughs> and that, but that doesn't get revealed until halfway through the movie. And thankfully, his girlfriend is not his sister. Yeah. So there. <laughs> yeah, that was a weird little bit there. Uh, although they left part of Tsunade's uh, story out of this, which is that in the right. folktale, in the source material, I should say, she was trained to use slug magic or snail magic, depending on the translation which they left out. And at one point, they actually were going to have her in this film. They were going to have her turn into a slug. Uh, they were going to yeah. do a slug instead of the spider. I would have loved to have seen their attempt in 1966 to, to bring that kind of kaiju to life because they really haven't been able to do slime well. Or yeah. slime uh, there, I mean, was, uh, there was some, there was a slug kaiju in an episode of Ultra Q. And yeah, I, uh, some I Ultra series have had some slug kaiju in them. And but, there is the one uh, Demiking. Demiking, but that was much later. Which which is which is a dream, but you know, nonetheless, they actually made the attempt. So yeah, yeah. But it's very <laughs> interesting when you look at this and you think about Star Wars. The thing that I started to notice you know, this is this is the English major in me coming out. Of course, they this actually is the story structure. In this is weirdly Western. It's very Campbellian. Very hero's yeah. journey. Hence, why it reminds all of us who watch it a lot of Star Wars because that was. Right. Star Wars is the Campbellian hero's journey. It is, it is pure undiluted. It, it, it was it was copy paste. I mean, George Lucas didn't even try to hide the fact no, that he, he was didn't. just like, oh, this guy, okay, yeah. But it, but Holy. that's what this is. So in a lot of ways, it's a little bit countercultural to the Japanese because they tend to tell stories very differently compared right. to and it's very Western. straightforward for a Japanese movie. I mean, there's none of that obscure, obtuse kind of side stuff that happens mm -hmm. usually, especially in a period piece. Yes, where you have a lot, a lot of things going on. This is really, really straightforward. It's like you're, it's one of those bad video games where you're on on a rail yes. and you can't deviate from the main story at all. Yeah. So, you know, we talked a bit about uh, Japanese Gandalf. <laughs> and uh, then the no my next note was that uh, when you start to get into the actual action sequences in this, you start to realize, yeah, this was definitely made by Toei because it's bombastic and over the top. You can definitely see well, how this eventually led to Kamen Rider and Super Sentai. And Power I, I'm going gonna, gonna to defend the movie on this, on this part because I've seen the Japanese version. This, and especially with regards to the makeup of, of all the hero character and the villain characters, it is obviously taking its cues from Kabuki theater, mm. which is in itself a very bombastic and showy kind of theater. I have seen several Kabuki uh, performances. I love that type of theater. It's stylistic. And in here, you see some of that too, especially during the, during some of the fight sequences, uh, some of the stylism, but the makeup, especially if it's not got that big red lines, it doesn't have the big heavy black, but these guys do have, eyebrows for days yes it's all about the eyebrows everybody male has yes eyebrows and everybody's eyebrows are different and unique to that person it's great i love it and if i was into actual makeup effects i could do a whole paper just on the eyebrows of, of what was going on eyeliner was another big thing mm -hmm. everybody had very thick eyeliner underneath their eyes to make them pop and there was a, a definite line down the males Again, hero and villain characters, primarily. A line along the side of the jaw where you could see where the pancake makeup stopped. 
Mm-hmm. And I'm thinking that that is also a leftover from Kabuki, where everybody is painted white uh, to their jawline. So yes. I'm gonna I'm gonna give them a pass on the bombastic. No, oh, no, I I, I don't bring it up as a negative. I actually enjoyed it. And again, there was no doubt in your mind who was who and who was the bad guy. And yes, this was very much like a morality play. You knew it was like, oh, bad guy, start hissing. Yes. <laughs> Exactly. Good guys, start clapping. Yeah, yeah. And then we come to, and I just couldn't not do this again, the English major in me coming out. Although, why didn't they do this again? At this point, the movie kind of becomes this long sequence of ridiculous things that happen in a scene, but then don't happen again. So they're all very imaginative, but they're barely glued together. (laughs) Like that glue is barely holding everything together into a cohesive whole. Because then we get our... We get our hero's first fight scene and he goes up against a pair of ninjas because you start your movie with ninjas. You're off to a great start. All we need now are talking trees and we've got the perfect story. By the way, I wrote that book. Anyway, <laughs> and that's a long shameless stand. plug. Shameless yeah, plug. Shameless plug. And it's also a, an inside joke from back in my undergrad days that would take too long to explain. But our hero is apparently the Green Knight because he gets his head chopped off and... The head keeps talking, okay. he goes over, picks up the head, puts it back on, and he's okay. Well, no, 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 no. Not even that. Not even that he picks it up. He motions with his hand, and it floats over to him backwards, and then he has to do the twist. Yes. So a little bit of levity after this very intense ninja fight. Yes. And I will say this. It wasn't just two ninjas. There were all those swords that were coming out of the ground were ninjas buried in there because the first thing he does is he stabs into the ground to keep them from coming up. Yep. So there were probably six all told. Yes. So I'm impressed. I'm, I'm wondering why they didn't come out of the ground when he hit the <laughs> ground in the first place. Kind of defeats the purpose of surprise, but okay, you know, maybe they couldn't quite breathe well and they were husbanding their energy. But Yeah, you know. something like that. And it's at this point you start to realize this is definitely taking some inspiration, whether... Yeah, you know, I mean, we don't. I don't see a lot of movies from Hong Kong from the '60s. It's really it's the '70s when people started paying right. attention. But this definitely, at this point, starts to have a very Hong Kong action movie sort of a feel to there it. There was wire foo going on all over the place. They had re- the reverse photography when he used the rope around the the ninja against the tree, mm-hmm. which was really well done. I mean, I knew to look for it, but the guy didn't make any specific movements that would show that this was being done in reverse so kudos to toei for actually making Mm -hmm. me believe that for once Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. and Um, then they we find out that our wizard is also a ninja master because why not and and even the (laughs) even tsunade talked about jiraiya going on a hero's journey tsunade kind of goes on a bit of a hero's journey as well and one aspect that she has as part of the hero's journey the original folk tale, the source material, talks about this more with Jiraiya. But in the movie, because part of the hero's journey is the hero goes off and acquires either a new knowledge or a new weapon that allows him to defeat his foe. In the case of Tsunade, she's given a hairpin that can summon a spider. But only once. But all, well, if, if she, it twice, it if she, if she does it twice, it, it turns on her. And I just think it's interesting. So she's given this hairpin, which is a very, it's a very distinctly feminine thing. She's well, going on a heroine's journey, basically. She's also given it by her grandmother, who is a powerful yes. hedge witch. I would say hedge witch. She's mm. not, I don't think she's formally trained, but she definitely knows a thing or two because she's friends with Japanese Gandalf. Yeah. <laughs> Senso and, Dojin. Yeah. <laughs> now, the one thought that I had it when that happened, when, you know, she, when they come over the hill and see it, and say, oh, no, he's dead. Sorry about that. I, oh, I've been so long since I'd met him and 
since I've seen him. And I, darn, I'm too late. He's dead. <laughs> Apparently, in this part of, of rural Japan, all extremely old people are hermit magicians. <laughs> These are the only two old people we see. Literally the only two old And both of them are powerful magicians. <laughs> and the only reason we know that the old woman, and I'm going to call her for want of a better ner- term, Japanese Yoda, because you know she had that same feel. <laughs> So Japanese Yoda gives her granddaughter the pin, tells her about it, says, go to this town. This is where your father was the last time I heard. He's a horrible person. You're not going to find what you want. Yes. He's not going to satisfy you. Yeah, because that's I, her I see, quest. She's trying to find yeah. her father. I see that you you are not going to be dissuaded. However, I'm giving you this protection. Go with my blessing. The granddaughter leaves. And then the head, the this Japanese Yoda starts cackling and then dis- starts like going down into the earth with this little mist coming up from and did we know she was a magician before this did we know she had magic did we know that she could meld with a mountain I, this, this uh, we is incredibly known, powerful we, magic we should have known because if she knew japanese gandalf then you know clearly they were high school sweethearts or something you know that's I'm why th- i think I'm that's why she was, was disappointed because he's like oh he's dead now <laughs> i'm thinking it's more like every 10 years they hook up <laughs> They exchange they exchange spells. They have a they have a tea ceremony. You know, just very it's it, remember this is old school. This yes. is old school. Yeah, it's There's like ships nothing, passing nothing in the night, you know. Yeah. <laughs> just oh look, you know, I was coming down the mountain anyway, thought I'd stop in. Oh, you have tea set out for me. How sweet. Yes, how sweet. Oh, oh yeah. by the way, here's how you can meld your body with a mountain using mist <laughs> yeah i was like oh oh i've been trying to figure that one out for years <laughs> well it's very simple you just have to cackle madly <laughs> oh anyway and then i could be completely reading into this because <laughs> this movie doesn't really care all that much for historical accuracy this is very much a fairy tale oh yes but the villains have rifles which tells me that this has to take place around the same time as Dimagine, because they had rifles in there as well and rifles were western weapons they, they were, were not also... introduced to japan until the europeans came in the 1600s but they were much much more primitive they were the old style flintlock that had the burning yes. rope at the top of them. Mm-hmm. Very primitive. But yeah, so we're talking 1700s maybe? Probably. I mean, is, when, is when the Portuguese kind of landed there by accident. Yes. Uh, and the Portuguese were actually, you know, they didn't proselytize, they didn't try and change things up, so they were more accepted into Japanese culture. Yes, if you want to hear more about this, folks, go back and listen to my Daimajin <laughs> episodes. <laughs> but, now, but that's my theory, because I'm like, if they have this, must be why. And interestingly, it's only the bad guys who have it, which could be seen, as I said, in the Daimajin episodes, could be seen as dishonorable. And, you know, these are... Oh, yeah the weapons of foreigners you know and then our heroes are the more traditional japanese well not just that but the gunpowder weapons the gunpowder weapon specifically was seen as the death knell of the samurai yes and uh, you know the honorable combatant even though samurai weren't technically very honorable much like the knights of the middle ages were not the bastion of truth justice and and the european way So yeah, I can see why having the bad guys use flintlocks would be a powerful message to the Japanese that, oh, right, okay, they did away with the samurai. They're mm. bad. Yes. Because we love the samurai. They're near and dear to our heart in the 1960s. Yes. And then we randomly get ghosts, because why not? We got everything else in this movie. Well, that was Jiraiya's illusion to kind of warn, what was it? Oh, uh, Yuki Daijo. That was to, to warn him, yeah. I, we're coming for you. Mm-hmm. You've been cursed mm-hmm. now. 
Mm-hmm. Now, granted, we didn't see the we didn't see Otaku's wife. I think it's Ota- not Otaku. What's his name? Uh, Jiraiya's dad. Can't remember his name. I can't remember his name now. Off of the but anyway, of it was him, of course, in the the ceremonial headdress and yes. that lions that lions aspect instead of you know making more threatening. But his wife wasn't there. It was just a bunch of warriors on horses. And it nice. It, it the ghosts show up. The illusion of the ghosts show up, and it turns black and white. Oh yes, yes, yes. That was uh, it, I was reading nice Galbraith. Touch. I was reading Galbraith's book. Galbraith is a big fan of this movie. He even the dub version. He was uh, very fond of it, <laughs> and he talked about how he loved the fact that it switched to black and white in that scene. Unfortunately, the quality of the <laughs> DVD is so poor. I didn't yeah. quite register with me that it went to black and white. So. <laughs> it gradually happens because the thunder and lightning goes and then it slowly fades into black and white. And you're, if you've never seen it before, you're going, what the hell's going on? And then the ghosts show up. Oh, that's awesome. And you're thinking maybe this is another little magical aspect of the world, but no, it turns out it's Jiraiya playing fast and loose with, with his magic. Yeah. His ninja magic. Yeah. He can basically do anything, you know, the ninja clone jutsu. There you go. No, yeah. fans, a little preview of things to come, <laughs> but uh, <laughs> it's not really that anyway. And there was also at this point, as I was listening to the dub and I was paying attention to the characters, names, like, oh, wait, there are reasons why these character names sound familiar. And that's why the pronunciations of these names, I suddenly realized, are completely wrong. I mean, they say Jiraiya once, but they, I think Jiraiya is only said once or twice. He says it himself, too. Yes. He's, sta- he's standing on top of the hut and says, I am Jiraiya. It's like... Where did that come from? That's yeah, not basically. who you told me you were. Yeah, and then they were like, oh, you gave yourself a new name. And then it calls him the uh, Ikazuki Maru the rest of the time. But no, uh, they say Orochimaru completely wrong. <laughs> they say yeah. it like dirty, dirty Americans who don't think, know what well, they're it's saying. Not the, they don't even try to say Orochi. It's <laughs> it's a Oraki. Oroki. It's Oraki Maru. Yeah. And I'm like, that is like, wrong. No. <laughs> That is so wrong. It was bad. Once I realized they were saying it horribly wrong, it hurt. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. Every time, at least in the dub, when you finally acquire, well, you know, I could, I could talk to the post office. I do have some, some pull (laughs) and see, you know, getting it to you sooner, but you live on an Island. So you got other issues there. (laughs) Well, we'll send Jimmy's drones to go fetch it if need be. (laughs) You know, the post office really frowns on unmanned, vehicles uh, assaulting their postal workers <laughs> no not assaulting just going to find the item and you know <laughs> transport it and then you're st- then you're then you're committing a federal crime you're stealing from the u.s mail oh okay uh, see okay Dr- jimmy scratch the drones and if <laughs> and then we get to i don't have a is he the magic kenny because we have a kenny in this we have a kenny we have a kenny it's sunade's brother or no, it's not her, her no, brother. No, 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 it's, no. It's, uh, it's the, the other character's it's the, brother. Yeah, it's c- because Jiraiya is walking to the town where you know he knows all the crap is going to go down. He's just an itinerant walking, and the wheel falls off a, a wagon. It's going to crush this kid, and he throws his sword or a stick. Was it a stick? I can't remember. And stops it from stops it from crushing the kid. And then he goes over to, oh, hey, I I helped you out here. Uh, oh, you need this wheel back on? He just lifts it with one arm, and they're all. Oh, I don't want to say it's an old man. He acts old, but he's not old. Yes. So I'm thinking just he's he's a peasant who has just had a lot of hard years working the rice fields or maybe turnip fields because I think those are turnips in his, <laughs> his uh, radishes and his daughter and young son. And to get through the gate, because unfortunately, apparently they have a picture of Jiraiya everywhere. 
<laughs> well, how they would know since he was last seen as a six-year-old. <laughs> the old man says, oh, no, no, this is my son-in-law. He's not very smart because I wanted a strong husband for my wife, and but he's an idiot. <laughs> and, and I got to tell you, Ikazuchi Jiraiya, he can take a beating to get this, this uh, deception going. The father beats the crap out of him. <laughs> In front of these soldiers, the soldiers are like, oh, okay, okay, maybe he's not the guy we think he is. And they walk away, and it's like, and the father will not stop. And the daughter finally has it, Dad, Dad, you're please stop hurting him. You're done. And it's like, oh, I'm sorry. It's like, oh, I kind of lost myself there in a moment. It's just like, uh, Dad, uh, did you visit some very strange bars? <laughs> oh, so it's the radish. It's the radish fumes that went to my head. <laughs> Maybe, oh. yeah. But anyway, so he becomes a thing. Thankfully, he's not a Gamera Kenny. Oh God, no. Oh, calm down, Jimmy. <laughs> okay, I get it. You're a Kenny too. You're one of the Gamera kids. Get over it. Okay. Maybe you're like you the it. one exception. Admittedly, you and Masao were kind of the only exceptions. You actually did things and were proactive in your movie, and you were slightly less annoying. But well, Jimmy, uh, Jimmy, just just take a lesson from my childhood, which is you take the good, you take the bad, you take them both, and there you have Japanese movies. Yes. So. <laughs> Uh, and then we get to what I think honestly might be my favorite scene in the whole movie, despite the fact that you can literally see the strings, even in the poor quality <laughs> DVD that we have. And that is, there is a point where I'm not kidding you folks. Our hero fights doors. I'm sorry. I am going to defend this scene. No, it's my I, favorite scene in the whole movie. Oh, <laughs> this, it is so, it's so like left of center. It's a weird choice to make. The reality is that they are ninjas who are quote unquote invisible and they are doing something with the doors in this place where Jiraiya is sleeping. But holy crap, it is handled so well. These doors flying of their own yes. volition there. They all stand up and that start circling around him fast and he's looking, yeah. he's not seeing anybody. Yeah, and that was surreal and kind of eerie. It, it, it really, really only well kind of starts to break when you get a, when they start flying at him and then they don't frame the shot so you can't see the strings. Yeah. That's when it kind of comes apart a little bit. But before that, I'm like, holy crap, this is weird. It was for 19. What's behind door number one? Your death. <laughs> Monty Hall, what do we have for our fabulous Jiraiya? Well, we have a series of ninjas who are going to be using these doors. And again, for 1966, level of special effects. And they did an over the head shot. They did yes. a side, they did an interior shot from inside the spinning doors. I know it's all camera trickery, but I fell for it. I'm in theater. I know this stuff. Yes. And yet at the same token, I'm looking at this going, this is probably the best special effects of the entire movie. It, it, I, I, well, uh, that and the kaiju, I would say, are, yeah, definitely yeah. the best. I mean, the non, of the non-kaiju stuff. This yeah. is the best tokusatsu part yeah. of this movie. Yeah. And, and like I said, and, it was, it's uh, memorable. It's certainly memorable because oh God, it's yeah. just so weird. <laughs> <laughs> but is it actually needed? No, not at all. And that's not, why it's no. brilliant. Yeah. It's not needed. There's no reason for it. Whoever the special effects coordinator just decided, hey, I want to do this thing. The director's like, we don't have time for that. No, no, no trust me. It's the centerpiece. You're going to love it. Yeah. Just come to the studio and watch it. All right. Okay. And it's like, holy crap. Keep this in. Yes. This is fantastic. We definitely. This. Definitely. 
and they're twirling uh, his mustache, thinking of all the money he's gonna get for his door scene. <laughs> yes, but <laughs> and then we get this is at the point where we're about halfway through the movie where we get the Tsunade, I am your father scene. Oh god! And then she gets put in a pickle. I will say, from a screenwriting perspective, this was actually really good. This is a great conflict where she conflict. finds her father. That has been her quest in this movie. I found my father. He's the bad guy. And now he wants me to kill the man that I have conveniently fallen in love with in my journey because yep. th- he is his enemy. Well, I'm in a pickle. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it sets up a great moral quandary. Again, this is why I think this movie you know, should get more love than it does. I, I feel like the if there do. were more things like that in this, I think it could have elevated it to the point where it would have been remembered as more than a camp classic. There is one other character who does have a similar quandary, and it's Morobe, mm-hmm. the head henchman of Orochimaru. He comes across when five other ninja were, or five other bad guy, I guess, were spreading rumors about Jiraiya coming, Jiraiya's, or Ikazuchi's Yeah, coming. I love Ikazuchi's that. Like, they're all, they're, one of their main weapons is gossip. That is it's so gossip. It's all <laughs> so weird, and yet it's to, it's to draw Ikazuchi in so that, that Orochi can kill him. And I like that. It's it's you know it's different. It's not let's go out and seek and kill him. He says no no no. Let's do a, a whisper campaign and and get him to come in. Get people excited about seeing him. Yeah. So that they'll point him out to us. Yeah. If this movie took, if this movie took place now, they would just be you know going on Twitter and saying nasty yeah. things about him. <laughs> so they they are all cons- they're all outside this little shrine. They're conspiring, saying hey, we've done this. You know, we're waiting for him to come up. And then they hear a noise inside the shrine and it, it's Tsunade who is asleep there because she's traveling on foot by herself. And they immediately assume that she overheard everything and so they're going to kill her. Right before they do, Morobe shows up. He's obviously their boss. He says, no, no, let me deal with her. You go go back and do what you guys were doing. I'll handle this. They say, yeah, right, boss. Okay, yeah, all right. <laughs> they're not very smart. Morobe, obviously a gifted actor because he had very little to work with and he's kind of hang dogs like oh were they gonna hurt you and she said oh please don't no 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 i'll just i'll I'll walk with you oh thank you sir thank you and he gets her whole story from her on the walk back to town Mm -hmm. very smart does the helpful traveler bit finds us out tells his boss eventually oh you know this she and uh ikazuchi there's a a thing there so you might want to take care of that you know she's not going to want to kill him but you got to make her do it Mm mm-hmm and he, so he's always there, and yet he has that tragic backstory, too, that comes out at the moment when they could kill him, mm-hmm. could kill Ikazuchi. And he says, you know, my daughter was killed also, and that you remind me of my daughter. And so that's why I, I, can't, I can't let you go through with this. Mm-hmm. And it, it also helped that the that Magic Kenny uh, started say, ca- crying yeah. out because he was hurt at this point. He starts <laughs> yeah. crying out, uh, calling out for Ikazuchi, Ikazuchi in, in his sleep yeah. at that point. She's like, I can't do it. I can't do it. And then, and then uh, you yeah. find out that <laughs> Orochimaru had a backup plan. <laughs> in this long cycle of revenge, there uh, yeah. they had he had some ninjas stationed there. By the way, I just want to point out as violent a movie as this is that it's all remarkably bloodless, except for the dragon. Except for the dragon. <laughs> except for the dragon. That's really strange. They all get well, I mean, even in the beginning sequence, the cuts that Yuki Daijo did to the shogun and his wife, there was a little bit of blood, but not the great arterial sprays that we are all used to yeah, seeing. Yeah. So 
It's it was, just really, it, it's just really strange. And then they, you know, Jiraiya wakes up, he fights the ninjas, and everyone starts doing their thing, and they're like, "Oh, we need to." deceive Orochimaru when he comes back and everything. And then they realize they should have double tapped the ninja <laughs> because they, uh, he, he, I'm not quite dead yet. And then he pops out of the grate where they threw his body. He's no, like, they're dying. And then he dies. Yeah. <laughs> now I, I want to point out something about the dubbing for Orochimaru. The original actor, of course, is a very deep baritone, very gruff, beautiful, beautiful voice. And it's in the original Japanese, the voice actor that they got to dub him needs a lozenge <laughs> so bad i swear he is a bargain basement christian bale and it's <laughs> and it just did not do a thing for me it's like i'm not afraid of you you can put on a bat costume i still wouldn't be afraid of you dude what's going on man just a little, a little tea with honey <laughs> swear to me jariah it, it was my it parents was, are dead <laughs> It, it wasn't even that. I mean, God, if, if it was at least had that much emotion in it, it would, it would be interesting. But Oh, okay. Yeah. I, then I completely don't be more like, swear to me. <laughs> I mean, it's, it's catapulting to the end of the yeah, movie. That's, when, uh, when, it's, like, basically me oh, do, it's basically me doing my bad Captain Gordon impersonation yeah. on karaoke <laughs> night here at King Caesar's Palace. So. Oh, thank you for getting rid of the last person in, that was keeping me from taking total control of the country. <laughs> yes. Yes. And now not- my notes kind of, you know, a lot of this is stuff we've already talked about. So we'll skip ahead a little bit <laughs> to uh, the big kaiju-tastic finale where Orochimaru turns back into the dragon. So you get the kaiju at the beginning and then you wait the whole movie and then you get the kaiju again at the end. And then Jiraiya turns it. Well, it's not the only time he turns into a frog, but he turns into a frog. Got a big old horn and everything on it. Horn and, right on the nose and the horns, which I've never understood. Yes. <laughs> right right of its it's took us there are like eight spikes coming out, pointing backwards. I'm thinking, are there actual toads in Japan? Do they actually look like this? Because that's horrifying. Well, uh, I guess that means he's a horny toad. <laughs> I was hoping you, you, you would have gone for me, the babe. I was hoping for the rim shot, Jimmy, but okay. <laughs> okay. Well, we're moving on here. But I think it's a little bit ironic that we have a, you mentioned before, we have a water-spitting dragon and we have a fire-breathing toad because yes, why not? You know, so we got a little bit of a reversal there. And at this point in Tokusatsu, especially once you get to the 70s Ultra Series, every monster breathes fire because... So I, I'm gonna I'm gonna defend now. And it's I real fire. It's real. Uh, it's real fire. fire. It is real fire. But I have to do a little bit of a little bit of defense for this fire breathing toad. You see, if it's a frog, it makes no sense that it's breathing fire because frogs have moist skin. They live in the water. Toads, on the other hand, only go to the water to reproduce. They live in drier climates. Mm-hmm. So at one point in the Middle Ages, at least in Europe, they believed that toads were birthed from rocks after fire. Oh, really? the toads would then come out of the ground after a fire had passed and seek water because they would bury themselves, put a mucus sheath around themselves and ride out the fire. And so they thought that that's how toads were created, how they were spontaneously generated from rocks. So, yeah, Jimmy, he did do his homework. Yeah. (laughs) So I'm going to give him a pass. It's still weird. I mean, I. They're associated with the fight. They are a fire sign in some European mythologies. So I'll give them a little bit of a pass on that one. Again, uh, like uh, another, uh, perhaps another bit of you know, potentially Western influence on this. 
Yeah, I mean, we don't. Uh, I don't know the director well enough to know if he uh, studied in in Western film schools, but it's looking more and more likely that he might have at least been influenced by Western filmmaking. Yeah, but uh, since we're on the subject of the kaiju, what do you uh, think of these kaiju in terms of design, implementation, all that? I have to say, Toei is no Subaraya. Uh, some would argue it's not even quite Daie, but I would, I might disagree with that a little bit. Okay, I'm just going to talk. I'll talk about Orochi the dragon first. Again, it's a man in a suit. It is full tokusatsu. They have the head on a string, keeping mostly where it's supposed to be looking. And the connections between the different pieces of the costume are actually quite well hidden. Mm -hmm. The tail isn't seen as much, except in the long shots where it's distance and then they have that tail wrapping around buildings and whatnot. But all in all, it's reminiscent of Manda, or Manda, Mm -hmm. sorry. Excuse me, forget the pronunciation. But it's it's definitely more influenced by the Chinese dragons. Yes. It's got it's definitely more elaborate. It has the antlers that they're supposed to have. It has m- the tendrils around the mouth. The mouth is definitely uh, the the muzzle is much more elongated. Mm-hmm. I don't have a complaint. I've always liked the look of this dragon. I thought that they put all a lot of money into building mm-hmm. this particular mm-hmm. dragon. Mm-hmm. The toad, no. on the other hand. <laughs> well, one suffered- thing I want to say about the oh. dragon. One th- just Please. really quick. It. Reminds me of those like Chinese New Year parade looking dragons, but in a good way. It doesn't yes. look fake or paper mache or like it's made of paper mache, but it's very brightly colored and elaborate. And, the go- and it does have googly eyes. So. And it's got googly eyes, and so it, and it moves around a little bit like that because it's it seems like it's always moving. Yes, you know, it's always kind of moving it, and gyrating. It's also filmed, but it's also filmed at half speed, so it's not. Yeah. You're not getting the the quick Ultraman jerkiness. So it makes sense that when it, it moves, the head would move slowly in kind of an elliptical yes. Uh, pattern. Yes. Now, the toad, unfortunately, suffers from trap jaw syndrome that a lot of kaiju from this time period have. The mouth is simply like a puppet. It, it just flops open in the Japanese version, giving it its little croaky roar. <laughs> and it very clear saw. now admittedly it's hidden better than i was expecting it but there's clearly a nozzle yes. for the fire and yet it, there's, there's know, not there's not a specific head for the flamethrower it is that suit <laughs> now i will give the paint job however on the frog toad is actually quite good it's oh, a it's very, very subtle bright. it's very bright. Le- like leopard pattern mm-hmm. and it's got this the whole the kind of bumpy toad-like back which i thought was handled really well it didn't look random it looked like what a toad would look like mm-hmm. except for the eight spines coming out of its butt again i didn't have a problem with the suit itself other than the like i said the trap jaw the inexplicable barragon horn on the, the front of its face and uh <laughs> and the, that'll make uh, that'll make travis alexander very happy justice for barragon you know <laughs> well i'm sorry but this what there is no justice for jariah toad i'm sorry <laughs> jariah toad <laughs> that sounds jariah like the, toad that sounds like the name of a character in something waiting to happen <laughs> now even before the fight when jariah toad shows up and the toad does its destruction of the castle before mm-hmm. Orochi dragon shows up. I have to say they, whoever was on special effects kept the miniatures to a minimum. They said the castle is our miniature set piece. Yes. And boy, did they put their time in it? This is a oh, very yes. solid piece of miniature work. Oh, it and is. It's elaborate That's, and it, it's beautiful. And it it's clearly, clearly they weight. took a huge chunk of the budget and they threw it at this. And I have no complaints because when that toad slams down on a roof, there is that moment where you think, is he climbing on top of it? No, there it goes. It almost doesn't crumble. And I'm thinking, yes, that's how it should be. Show that the craftsmanship 
of these little pitiful humans next to a kaiju is still good enough to almost hold this thing up. Yes. <laughs> it was so well done. The f- and then when the kaiju fight each other, when Orochi Dragon and Jiraiya Toad actually start tussling, they're bumping into buildings. They're knocking over rock retaining walls. It all has weight. It doesn't feel like styrofoam or particle board. Or no. It feels like it's actual stone, like it's actual wood or tile. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And I don't know if they took some hints or stole some notes from Tsuburaya, but they did a great job. And it's, again, it's another centerpiece action part of the movie. Mm -hmm. And uh, again, the best part of, this is the kaiju best part of the movie. And I'm giving it also to the miniatures because the miniatures are, without that miniature, without that giant castle, Mm -hmm. it would fall apart. It would would be an object of ridicule. And I don't think it is in this point. I think Mm -hmm. it's really Mm -hmm. well handled. Mm -hmm. And then there's the spider. Uh, Let's not. Uh, I'm going to be very yeah, okay. brief about the spider. The spider's barely in it, and the spider barely does anything. <sighs> it basically floats in, it's and, a then it sp- and then it sprays the shaving cream, and, <laughs> and that's the extent of what it does. So I'm like, oh, so this is the uh, the spider we've been waiting the whole movie to see, and it's it can spider fly, and, and all that- of this stuff. And, <sighs> yeah. Well, here's okay. the, here's here's even more. Okay, yeah, it's it. Basically, it puts out the wall. It keeps the the dragon occupied while Jiraiya unburies itself. Yeah, from and, the, and by the, the way, rubble. the scene where the uh, where Tsunade summons this thing is this really yes. dramatic <laughs> moment where she's like she's pulling out the hairpin and she's all like, <laughs> well, she looks she at it praying. Oh, she's I like, have... oh, I have to summon it right now. Oh, please don't turn on me and help <laughs> uh, and help Jiraiya. And then she throws it, and the spider comes. So it's like this big dramatic moment, and then. It's a it's a it's a puppet on a string, yeah, and it doesn't. It's not even an articulate puppet. It does not. The legs don't move. It just it just floats down, hits a building, kind of makes a, a three quarter turn, and then starts spitting out shaving cream. <laughs> and again, this is a horrible, horrible sequence. Poor Orochi Dragon gets covered in shaving cream, uh, and, which distracts him from pummeling Jiraiya Toad. And then Jiraiya Toad unburies himself and says, oh, you're covered in shaving cream? I hear that's flammable. <laughs> Spits fire at him and boom, a big explosion with fireworks. And then the spider is completely forgotten about. Goes yep. away. Yep. By the way, none of these kaiju are on the island because, you know, one is Jiraiya, so we're not going to mess with that. One's Orochi. Definitely not messing with that. And if we summon the spider again, it's going to be unpleasant. Plus, we don't need to give Kumanga any competition. You do have giant condor. Yes, we do have Daikondoru. Yes, because he's the star. He's in the beginning and the end. Yes, yes, yes. Because we uh, we get him again here. Although we do have to occasionally fend off some poachers who want him for you know some sort of wings restaurant or something because you know, they saw him got <laughs> now he, he got torched now, yeah. in the movie. So they're like, we could use him to make chicken wings. So I'm like, no, you you can't. It well, just, I gotta uh, say, speaking of food, I gotta say <laughs> I really enjoyed Yeti noodles. Yeti yes. noodles. Mm-hmm. I want to thank whoever. Cued me in. It might be Gary. Gary might have cued me in. Rest in peace, Gary. Ah, justice for Gary. But yeah, Yeti noodles, perfect. I I could see them adding a little little condor sauce, maybe. I could see that. I could see that definitely. But you know what else we get? We don't just get a kaiju fight. That's not enough for this finale because it's like I'm the magic serpent. I'm made by the guys who are gonna bring you Kamen Rider and Power Rangers. You're gonna get a sword fight too. So they like they're fighting each other as kaiju. They blow up and then they go back to human form and have a sword fight on the beach. (laughs) Not just go back to human form. They are two little balls of light. Go, 
and there is a, a sound effect that sounds like a not maybe like a slide whistle maybe it's a slide whistle and they hit the beach and boom suddenly there's jiraiya and orochi on the beach both doing heroic poses about maybe 10 yards apart yep and then they we get the traditional samurai movie almost cliche honestly where oh, it, the draw the sword run at each other and see who falls down first you know that sort of a thing they do it twice, and it was yep. a second pass that Jiraiya finally, finally gets him. And there's a moment where you think maybe he's still going to fight because he's still holding his sword, but he's also holding his guts in as he's wandering in the surf. Poor, poor Orochi just could not handle it. He falls yeah. back into the surf. And apparently, evil sorcerers, when they are die, much like the Wizard of Oz, they melt. <laughs> uh, because he, he, he well, sinks you, the water. And you would his- know, you basically got transported to wherever you went Oz style. So, yeah, <laughs> I, you know, I, I'm trying not to think about it because the, the PTSD stuff, you know, it, yeah. it, was, it was a harrowing. Trip. Yeah. Uh, you and uh, you and Jimmy can, ch- can exchange notes. So, yeah, we're going to have a long discussion after this. I, mean, I got to show him the Veritech. So, yeah. yeah. But uh, yeah, so that was, so we had all of that craziness. Yep. He melts. And then we get the most head scratching of lines, unless I completely misheard it in the dub. And please tell me if the subtitles are better. But somebody tells Jiraiya, you didn't kill him. And I wrote, he seems pretty dead to me. <laughs> I think it, I think in the Japanese sub, it's more, why didn't you finish him off? Why did you just let him die? Okay. <laughs> and, and of course, it's by Magic Kenny. And Magic Kenny, you know, is a little bloodthirsty, apparently. <laughs> you know, that, that, uh, that's a common trait of Kenny's. <laughs> And I, I wonder, I wonder if something's going on in Japan during the 1960s, where you know, all their kids are looking for blood. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> anyway. Yeah. I only have a few more notes, and I got to get this in because before Yuki Daijo is killed, he has been told that uh, Ikazuchi's dead, mm-hmm. and so he decides to throw a party. And suddenly we get a break from the movie. Let's have dancing girls with anachronistic <laughs> musical accompaniment. Yeah, I noticed that. It's like that. This music doesn't sound period. <laughs> Even in the Japanese version, it's that anachronistic music. Like, okay, that's somewhat an electric. <laughs> that's not right. That's, that's not right at all. <laughs> I mean, and they're carrying tambourines, and you don't hear the sound of the tambourines. That, there's yeah. something wrong. Here. And, and as as nuts as this movie is, it's not quite a Knight's Tale where you establish early on this is the kind of movie that you're in. It's not that. That was keeping fairly faithful to the idea that this is feudal Japan or the later feudal Japan. But no, no, I, I was not there. I was there for the maybe the dancing. If they had continued it, it's, it's a very short sequence, maybe less than a minute. And it was the music just threw it off. It's like, oh, no, 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 no. But then it cuts to Yuki Daijo sitting there drunk with a girl on one arm before uh, Tsunade is brought in. I think it's Tsunade. No, it's not Tsunade. It's the sister. Yeah, it's the sister. It's the sister uh, who is obviously not there for this drunk guy. But he says one of my favorite lines. It is my favorite line of the entire movie. And this is the dub only. This okay. is the dub only of my favorite line. He says, sing, because Yuki Daijo is happy. <laughs> <laughs> and he the 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 voice actor put everything into this line this was his soul this was his re- raison d'etre his reason for being drunk and happy and he wants to hear singing and really that's what we all just want we just want to be happy and drunk and and just watch the pretty girls dance we don't want and sing anybody and sing and sing and sing well he didn't want to sing he wanted to hear singing so yes. he just wanted if he if it had been modern time, he would have turned on his iPod and be jamming out. You know, I was like, all right, 
you know, having some kombucha, maybe <laughs> listen to some J-pop. <laughs> yeah, sure, why not? Maybe no, no. He's he's a rebel. K-pop. K-pop. Oh yeah, yeah. He prefers K-pop idols. Of course. <laughs> I mean, he likes anachronistic music. He might as well way go go on the other side. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah. And then yeah, and then the uh, the Eagles awkwardly return because you barely you can't really see them. That's kind of weird. But even yeah. though we saw them before, so I guess they blew the budget. Anyway, well, I just got a a few quick fun facts and such here. Sure, so, let's hear your fun uh, facts. So, a co- you know, so and I have to say this, or else Elijah from Kaiju Conversations is going to get mad at me because he w- went on record on the air saying that I had to bring this up. The giant toad and the giant dragon suits were reused by Toei because that's what all these Tokusatsu producers did. They reused everything. Of course, for the 1967 TV show, Tokusatsu TV show, Mass Ninja Akakage. Oh, and yes, the, the toad was a of. monster of the week, but they took the nose horn off. But they kept the the butt spikes, I guess, because that's the only thing it said. It's like they took the wow. nose horn off, but that's it. <laughs> this reminds me of how disrespectful Subaraya was to Baragon, the original Baragon. <laughs> they abused he abused that poor suit. That poor suit with so many different monsters on Ultraman. Hey, I, 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 Baragon's got a lot of range. I I gotta say, I mean. It's when they rip off his head and put a completely different head on top of yeah, it three yeah. times. Yeah. <laughs> uh, poor Baragon. Justice for Baragon. But, uh, for and Baragon. then, did you know that this movie actually got remade? Are loosely? You me? Very loosely. I, when? I got 1970, know. it was a Taiwanese martial arts fantasy film oh. called Young Flying Hero. And it oh, also goodness. has a giant toad and a dragon. <laughs> I'm wondering if the Jiraiya... Folktale is somewhat universal down there uh, in, in Southeast Asia. I well, mean, I mean, I guess they're thinking, hey, you keep making stuff based on Monkey King, so <laughs> we get Jiraiya. This is true. This is true. <laughs> we're, we're just, they're just in a mutually steely society when it comes to you know, intellectual property. But, you know. Yeah. And none now of it, I've none got of some, it is copyrighted. Yes. Uh, technically public domain. So, yeah. Uh, and then I've got some notes that I'm going to go through. Think of this as basically a mini Toku topic because I was trying to figure what could I do some academic research on because that's what this show does. And then I realized, oh, wait, Jiraiya, that's a folktale. Let's look that up. So, as I mentioned, the tale of Galen Jiraiya is the inspiration for this. Tells the story of a toad riding and I guess also toad transforming hero. We mentioned the novel series. It was also a kabuki drama. It's also been adapted into video games and comics. Most notably, Naruto. Naruto, There are characters, several characters in Naruto inspired by characters from this folktale. Weirdly enough, they're the only characters in Naruto that were inspired by other things. Because Tsunade, Orochimaru, and Jiraiya are all in it. Inexplicably. Justice for Morobe, because I'm sorry, he was a standout character for me too. I really enjoyed that bit part that he had. But Mm -hmm. eh, whatever, you know. Yeah. And interestingly... You mentioned the novel series. Did you know that one of the illustrators for that novel series was woodblock artist Kunisada? Yep. Who's absolutely very was, famous uh, in when Japan. I went down my rabbit hole, that's what I went looking for. It's like, mm-hmm. oh my God. Like yep. a master. Oof. Yep. It's fantastic. I love mm-hmm, that stuff. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And I literally, I am so going to hunt that down. I mm-hmm. gotta, I gotta, I gotta see if they've been translated. Mm-hmm. Now, I have Journey he, to the West. So, yes, I gotta get this just one. like, yeah, it's actually, there's probably a lot, it probably has a lot in common with Journey to the West. Now, speaking of Journey to the West, actually, <laughs> it's not 
directly related, but <laughs> but uh, apparently the character of Jiraiya may have been inspired by another story. Here's a quotation from one of my sources. Quote, the character of Jiraiya is said to have been modeled after that of Prince Mitsuji in the play Genji Moyo Furisode Hinagata. Hmm. See chapter five of Prince Genji, in which the same actor, Ichikawa Danjoro Eighth, had scored a big hit the preceding year. Interesting. Mm-hmm. End quote, by the way. Hmm. Yeah. It was also made, did you know this, was made into a 1921 silent film called Jiraiya the Brave. Yeah. And you yeah, can I'm... watch it subtitled on YouTube. I did not know that. I will send okay. you the link. I'm, I'm going. I'm heading there. I will that's, send uh, you the tomorrow link. Night. <laughs> yep. And here's another, oh. to- here's another Toku connection with Jiraiya for you. A character named Jiraiya appears in Ninja Sentai Kaku Ranger. I'm sure Michael Hamilton from Kaiju Weekly will tell us all about it. And he summons a giant mecha toad. And you listeners may know Kaku Ranger better as season three of Mighty Morphin Power Rangers. (laughs) My thought is that Jiraiya's folktales is, I can't even think what maybe the, like the tales of Hercules or something for them, for the, for the Japanese, that it's just so endemic. So part Mm. of their cultural Mm -hmm. identity. Him and uh, Yamato Takeru. Yeah, that it just gets out and it, it shows itself because they don't even know they're doing They might not even know they're doing it. They just, boom, hey. And then they get some cultural person, someone in a, a tweed suit. It's like, oh, you know, that has shadings of Jiraiya, the Jiraiya legend. And the director's like, I didn't plan on that. What are you talking about? Oh. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I actually, okay. and then uh, here's the note I was thinking of. So, okay, I talked about that one possible inspiration for Jiraiya. Mm-hmm. And here's another one. And this one is Chinese. Here's this for you. Here's a quotation for you. Quote, yet the inspiration for Jiraiya has its origins in old legend in Song era China. Hmm. This bandit, whose real name is unknown, was a heroic bandit whose deeds were similar to Robin Hood. The only reason he was called Zilai Yi was because he'd leave those characters in graffiti at places he robbed. Those characters translate to... I was here. Oh, <laughs> and, no. It's, so it's, uh, I guess it's a little bit like Zorro. <laughs> it's Kilroy. <laughs> yeah. He's Kilroy from 1940s. <laughs> oh, dear. And it, yep. it predated Kilroy. Amazing. I thought Kilroy was unique, but no, not anymore. Now it's good. Like everything else, like bureaucracy, it all goes back to China. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Thank you, and China. Then, and it was, I, I did uh, when I, I actually read what the original folktale was like, and I read some of the I read a synopsis of the Kabuki play as well, and they're both a little bit different than this movie. But some of the notable differences I noticed from the original folktale that are not in this movie was one part that they left out is Tsunade and Jiraiya. In order to defeat Orochimaru, they have to go get a sword called the Nakirimaru, which means wave cutting sword. Ah, yes. And also, there is a point where Jiraiya fights Orochimaru, is defeated because he is poisoned by Orochimaru's venom, and there is only one cure for it. The blood of a virgin born in the year of the snake. Of course. So then hey, they have to go find who? a maiden who makes a nice little <laughs> sacrifice so that they can save Jiraiya and he can go defeat Orochimaru. Left that part out of the movie. <laughs> I wonder why. <laughs> They're like, what are you talking about? We have bloodless violence in this movie. We can't we can't have the blood of virgins in this. Monty, let's see what's behind door number three. <laughs> no virgins. Okay. 
<laughs> but you have to fight the door. <laughs> That's a fair cop. <laughs> so there you go. That's basically all my notes, unless you've got something. Uh, I've I have only one other thing. It's from the beginning. Actually, a couple other things. Then again, this part is only in the dub. When Ikazuchi, before he becomes Jiraiya, he's running through the forest. It's right after he had that talk where he and his mentor were having that little battle on the, the foothills. And, you know, Japanese Gandalf sends him away because go, you go do your thing. And he's running through the forest for no apparent reason. There's no music. There is a huff, 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 huff. Literally just like that. Huff, 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 huff as he's running. And then it cuts out long before the, the ninjas attack him. No reason for it there. Just inexplicable. And it's obviously the actor for Jiraiya doing it. And I don't understand why. It's ridiculous. But, you know, okay, this is, I mean, it's obviously they didn't have a lot of respect for the source material. But that's fine. That's fine. However, there is one bit that is in both movies. And it is, I'm going to, I guess it's, it reminded me of a, one of my favorite movies from 1987 where Jiraiya has just finished killing the ninjas and there's someone behind him and he tackles them and they roll down the side of a mountain together. And it turns out it's Tsunade, the girl. Oh, and the only reason he that. knows it's a girl is because he has his hand on her. <laughs> now, this scene is almost exactly, except she didn't push him, from Princess Bride. Yes, I had that note. I skipped that note. I, they don't skip I wrote, that note. It's I like, wrote in my notes as oh, you, you wish. wish. If we were if we were doing an MST3K of this, if we were doing a parody of it, we, we would be doing oh, that. I joke. would so do it. <laughs> I mean, granted, they both fall down. They both tumbling together, so it is slightly different. It's slightly different. I don't care. It's basically the but same. But it was thing. still so. It was. It was sweet. I loved it. I, and. The one bit of, it's 1966, not a lot of fan service can go into something like this, but it is, it's a close-up of his hand <laughs> on the outside of her kimono. It's like, oh, and he immediately just goes, like, oh, you're a woman. You're not a ninja. As if ninja can't be women. <laughs> they can be, you know, hedge witch sorceresses who live in the mountains, but they can't be ninjas, right? Okay. Uh, yeah, ninjas are a boys club, didn't you know? Apparently. <laughs> But how, you know, it would be so much better if it was a woman because nobody expects a woman to gank you in the back. <laughs> Just like nobody expects the Spanish Inquisition. <laughs> now, there's also a cinematography bit I want to do. Granted, for the most part, the cinematography is pretty bland. It's pretty just, you know, yeah. put a camera there and leave it. It must have been his day off. And they got like his, his assistant, you know, Taki. Taki came in and said, you know what I want to do? Jiraiya is unconscious due to the poison that Tsunade gave him. He's lying on the floor. I want to show her conflict, but I also want to see his face. So we're going to lay him on a piece of glass, and I'm going to shoot through it, up through it. Oh, yeah. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's, again, it's a weird, it's like they had these great ideas. That cinematography, that little bit where there's, he's shooting up through a piece of glass as Jiraiya is lying on it, and she is having this, con this moral conflict of, do I kill him now? I can't. I love him. But my dad said to do it because he's a bad guy. I don't know. What am I going to do? I'm, I'm suddenly talking like I'm from Jersey. I don't know. I can't do it. Ah! <laughs> That's how much of a quandary she's in. She turns it was. <laughs> she was fighting with herself, but the, the cinematography was beautiful, and they do it again, but not as effectively. Yeah. 
Then, of course, the door sequence, which is before that. And then, of course, the Kaiju Castle battle, which was fantastic. Yeah. I think this would be a, unless you really have some other things you want to talk about, I think a good place to end is, even if you watch the dub version of this that, you know, looks ugly on whatever, on that <laughs> DVD. At least. But this is a movie that has moments of brilliance, and you find yourself wishing that those moments of brilliance were the entire movie, because if the whole movie had been like those moments of brilliance, this would be in the pantheon of classic Japanese films. I have and I, no I doubt. will not argue with you. This is, it had so much promise. If a studio, you know, had the money and the talent and the consistent talent, let's put it that way, the consistent talent to actually mine the whole Jiraiya folktale for the good relevant bits and then put it all together into a, a nice two hour movie. It would probably be one of the best things ever. Mm-hmm. Obviously, your capper is the the kaiju fight at the end, but there's so much going on that could have elevated this movie. Yeah, and I don't normally advocate for such things like this, but I would be <laughs> totally cool with a remake of The Magic Serpent. I mean, Toei's got the money and the resources. Now they could do it. Why not? Remake The Magic Serpent. Have fun with that. <laughs> I mean, at least we won't get, you know, Orochi's totally believable flying cloud. Uh, <laughs> or the the magic circle that encircles Daijo's men in the village or the really bad zappy special effects that Jiraiya used. I mean, there's some, as I was trying to say, uh, Jimmy yeah. beat me to it. There's some very bizarre force powers in this. That, uh, <laughs> but yes, I'm glad you at least appreciated the bits that oh i did i ended up i walked away from this liking it more than i thought and now i really want to see the japanese version because i've seen clips of the japanese version and it looks so much better in widescreen and it's on a cleaned up print and yeah and and so i really kaiju kaiju battle from a distance as the brother and sister are on the beach in widescreen it's absolutely gorgeous the framing is perfect yeah it's again it's a camera on a mount and you just kind of take the picture of it but as a single shot it's absolutely gorgeous yeah so get on it toei remake this movie (laughs) chop chop well, now that we have made our demands known to Toei, because <laughs> I'm sure they're listening. They're always listening. Everybody listens to this show. I'm just saying. <laughs> but you know who else listens to the show? Oh, this little guy right here who left us a review on iTunes. Now, I have to say, I had to go digging for this one a little bit because I have learned over the last year or so that iTunes or Apple Podcasts, whatever you want to call it, by any other name. <laughs> Smells like Biolante. Yes. <laughs> Biolante. But. <laughs> A little shout out to Alyssa Goji Geek there. She just did a video about that where she said that. But anyway, it's region locked. So I can only see the reviews that are in a particular country, wherever that may be. I should probably invest in a, 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 what do they call a VPN so I can switch it around yeah. and still find it. But I got you know, what? It just allows you to you know shake your fist at the sky and says, damn you, poisoned apple. Yes. That. But <laughs> anyway, so. So, I actually got a hold of one of your fellow MIFV Max members, Chris Cook, host of the One Cross Radio podcast, and I said, hey, can you screenshot this for me? I said, I think it's from Canada. And, <laughs> and he did, sent it to me. So now I am sharing it. And I love the username. It's Hoblin Goblin. Awesome. And <laughs> I discovered a little bit by accident going on Instagram that this is Nicholas Blackler. <laughs> 
<laughs> Way to go. Who apparently has been diving headlong into MIFV more recently. He's been an avid listener of Kaiju Weekly, and I know he listens to Henshin Men, and I guess he's taken the plunge on MIFV. And oh, good Lord. Like, Get out while you can, man. <laughs> it's a rabbit hole. <laughs> well, I've got a little bit of an idea of where he is. If he's been listening from the beginning, he's almost caught up now. But here's wow. his little review. Never before have I listened to a kaiju-related podcast that goes so in-depth with each film-slash-television show they review. This isn't just a podcast about giant monster films, but a podcast about the culture and history about said film. The amount of research that goes into each episode is evident from the start, not only by the host, Nathan, but by the guests he brings on as well. Oh, I think he's talking about you, Damon. Oh, that's sweet. Every time I listen to an episode, I walk away not only knowing more, but also having the ability to think about certain subjects that would not cross my mind otherwise, like the Japanese branch of the Boy Scouts. Oh, yes, Jimmy. He's talking about your favorite episode of the year of Gamera. (sighs) Gamera versus Virus. When we had JR and G-Man. Without talking about Jimmy's adventures as a Boy Scout. Yeah, I'm sure that could fill a book. (laughs) (laughs) oh really the rest of your time in the japanese boy scouts was a heck of a lot more boring other than helping gamera save the world yeah gotcha (laughs) gotcha man anyway he finishes really (laughs) (laughs) thank you thank you i'll be here all week and then he concludes his review saying all in all this podcast is a must for all kaiju fans Thank you so much, Nick. I really appreciate that. I've said it online, and I'll say it here again. Reviews like this and feedback, so please, I'm going to say it again. If you don't hear it in the credits, because I don't know if everyone listens to the credits, but send us feedback. Feedback and reviews are not only a way that you can have your voice heard on the podcast, at least a little bit, but it's the lifeblood of podcasters, especially podcasters at my level, because we need to know that people are listening and they are appreciating it. And, you know, because it's a lot of hard work. (laughs) And hey, listeners, just so you know, I am just a listener. I happened to stumble upon this podcast after listening to Kaiju Weekly and Gargantu Cast and all the others. And I started interacting. And now I'm here as a guest host. And granted, I had to pay for the privilege, but that's beside the point, you know? <laughs> well, you didn't the first time. so <laughs> That's true. The first time I was just kind of thrown in the mix and uh, seemed to handle myself pretty well. <laughs> yeah. I, I, crazy things can happen. You never know. A lot of things I hadn't planned happened in this podcast, and I'm very, very happy that they did. Because as much as this podcast is my brainchild, as much as I want to take the credit for making this, a lot of things that I never would have thought of, but listeners and other podcasters brought to the table have actually helped make this show what it is. And I can't thank Nicholas Blackler or you or everybody else enough for that. Well, you're welcome. I mean, more than welcome, because... I hate waiting two weeks for each episode. (laughs) (laughs) I I understand. I understand you're a little spoiled with uh, Kaiju Weekly, but the level of intensity. (laughs) I'm a a binger because I, as a mailman, I'm out there for six hours at a shot and hearing a podcast over and over, you know, one after the other is really nice. And I was able to binge Kaiju casts, the first, you know, the granddaddy of them all. And I, I binged their entire thing before I, they started plugging other people or other people started showing up. 
and then Kaiju Weekly, Monsters vs. Men, you know, Giant Monster Messages, all, and they start coming out of the woodwork, and then you were there, and you had the unique, I don't, it's not, it, the word is conceit, but that's not what it means, yeah. it's not like conceited, <laughs> yeah. but the conceit of this world you've built around yourself, which is uh-huh. fascinating. Yes. <laughs> and that, and as, an, as an actor, that drew me right into it, and I binged everything you had, and then I said, wait a minute, there's no more? Why not? <laughs> How come I have to wait now? This isn't fair. <laughs> Hence the dangers of binging. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Sometimes being able to savor it one episode at a time as it comes out is I can't is even blame COVID culture. I was doing this back in the 80s. <laughs> <laughs> well, anyway, now we get to come to a very fun part of the show. So it's quickly becoming one of my favorites, and that is the Patreon shout-outs. Go show Travis Alexander, Michael Hamilton, Danny Termana, Eli Harris, Chris Cook, Bex from Redeemed Otaku, Damon Noise, The Cellcast, Elijah Thomas. That is officially my favorite patron name. (laughs) It is so invigorating to say. (laughs) I don't know. Danny DeMana always gets your juices rolling, too. Oh, the the, uh, the wonderful alliteration. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Alliteration is always wonderful. Yes. Always. And now with that out of the way, it's time to start previewing. What was that again, Jimmy? The board's on the phone. They want me to read a memo. Not interested right now. Anyway, our next couple of episodes. Next episode will be episode 50. Yes, episode 50 and MIFV's second anniversary. What are we covering? Let's just say it will be a momentous occasion with a momentous movie. I'm going to keep it a little close to the vest right now because I want to surprise the lot of you. But I'm on pins and needles already. I need to know. Well, hopefully, <laughs> hopefully you'll be like laying on one of those nail beds. So as long as you just, you spread it out a little bit, you'll be okay. Ah, surface area. Okay. Got it. Mm, no surface area. You'll be fine. Totally fine. Anyway. And then <laughs> after that, the year of Gamera continues, and I am excited. Oh my gosh, am I excited because we finally got to the good stuff after all the things that I endured. Dude, I survived Super Monster. All right? Yes, you did. I you did earned this. <laughs> I earned the Heisei trilogy after everything. Well, I'm glad that I could give you a palate cleanser with the magic serpent. I seriously thought you would feel the same way that you felt about Super Monster. No, no, this was this was tremendously entertaining. But, you know... It's not hard to be better than Super Monster. Let's, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but anyway, but I, yeah. And Guardian of the Universe, and just, just, I'm so, I'm so pumped. I am so pumped. And hopefully <laughs> I will be getting as, again, as many of the original tourists back as I can because I want to see them go through this journey of watching the Heisei trilogy because none of them have seen them before. And, and they had very low opinion of the Showa series. Oh, yeah. Well, we had fun with those. We tried anyway. But (laughs) (laughs) so I kind of want to see 
how they react to it. You know, and I don't want to hype it too much. I've been saying I don't want to hype it too much. But, you know, these are still some of the best in the entire genre. But anyway, moving on. So, yes, Gamera 2, <laughs> Attack of Legion. I prefer the title Advent of Legion, but Attack of Legion is what it's normally marketed under. So we'll go with that. Whatever. <sighs> I have opinions about the title. <laughs> yeah, I, I can tell. Yes. Please tell us more. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Save it for the show. Anyway, <laughs> so that's what we have going on for that. And now, no episode of MIFE will be complete without... Again, Jimmy? They're still on the phone and still insisting... You, I'm not interested, okay? I, I just don't... Just no. And now, no episode of MIFE would be complete, as I was trying to say, without shameless self-promotion. Do you have anything for us, Damon? Well, apart from my puppet work with the YouTube series All Things Z, which seems to be on hiatus now for a while since the director, writer, star is overextending himself into several venues. In fact, he had me come in and do extra work on a music video, which he is currently working on, which will be released whenever. Yes, the movie I did last year, Maxi, written and directed by Jarrett Bryant, has been making the circuit of independent film festivals for the last nine months, is set to premiere in our hometown, Eugene Springfield in Oregon, on Tuesday the 14th, which I will, of course, be attending because I'm not going to pass up the chance to be seen. (laughs) (laughs) As you shouldn't. I've never been to a movie premiere where I was actually in the premiere. So this is kind of a big deal for me. My wife, unfortunately, uh, was in a car accident, so suffering from a concussion. So she, she doesn't have the stay with it power to go with me, unfortunately. So I'll be going solo, but I, I don't I don't see that as a bad thing, really. I mean, I'm already going to be kind of nervous, and mm-hmm. it'll be fun. We'll see what happens. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Other than that, yeah, nothing much else right now. I'm, I'm <laughs> trying to trying to find other acting work and not doing too good. Theaters are back to being closed, so oh, at least in your area. Yeah, well, the- a live theater, not. Oh, theater, so. okay. I see what you mean. I was going to say because the because yeah. the, uh, the theater here, the the denim is oh, no. still open. Yeah, the movie theaters are open, and we still have to go see Shung Chi. But you know, with her concussion, she can't sit for that long and try and focus on a movie. So mm-hmm, mm-hmm, probably it'll mm-hmm. end up waiting until it comes on to HBO Max. Mm-hmm. So yeah, uh, yeah. Uh, Shang Chi uh, that will be on Disney Plus. <laughs> oh, that's right, crap speckle. Uh, <laughs> that means I'm going to have to pay for another service. Yay. Or you can just go buy it on DVD, uh, you know, something like that. This is true. Yeah. Anyway. Anyway. <laughs> oh. Oh. Jimmy. Fine. I'm sure this, like all of the board's other announcements, is really important, and everyone okay. should hear it. Oh no! You know what? Try to be a little optimistic, Nate. I mean, it's not like the board is filled with supervillains bent on world domination. I mean, they're just your average garden variety greedy capitalists. Uh, and they give capitalists a bad name uh, and this is coming from another capitalist but anyway all right jimmy send it to my laptop to mitigate the spread of rumors and maintain full transparency with our guests and volunteers the monster island board of directors would like to provide an update to the ongoing investigation into the accident that occurred a few weeks ago in which a member of our staff was unfortunately eaten by a rogue gauss. Hmm. The name... The name... Uh, well, I... 
This is look, it can't it can't be that bad. You know how many ridiculous government mandates I have to deal with as a mail carrier? I'd rather re- wrestle Reptilicus. Speaking of which, when are we going to cover that movie finally? It's it's okay. I just need a sec because it's a doozy. So, kaiju lovers, the board says the name of the 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 Screw this! I'm done reading their propaganda. You want to know the truth about the board, listeners? Well, get ready for a special brand of MIFV enlightenment. Our Orwellian overlords have... Uh, you made them angry, and I don't think you're going to like them when they're angry. Contract violations be... Gas? Not again! Again? Oops, exit, stage right! Sorry, listeners! Sayonara! Sayonara! Jimmy, open the door! Nine. Jimmy, Damon, forget about me! Get out of here before it launches! Go! Three, two, one. Thank you for listening to the Monster Island Film Vault, a podcast produced and hosted by Nate Marchand. If you enjoy the show and want to join the discussion, we'd love to hear from you. So email us at feedback at monsterislandfilmvault.com. Your message could be read on a future episode of the show. Our website is monsterislandfilmvault.com. Follow us on Facebook and Instagram at Monster Island Film Vault and on Twitter, where our handle is at TheMonsterIsla1. You can also follow Jimmy from NASA on Twitter at NASA Jimmy and the Monster Island Board of Directors at Monster Isla BOD. I have fulfilled my contractual obligations! And be sure to subscribe to us on YouTube, Spotify, and Twitch. The podcast logo was created by Tyler Souls from TylerDrawsComics.com. Our theme song is Wanderer on the Offensive Live Edit by B33J, Sarax, Juan Madrano, and Nonsensical Lexus, which is a remix of Counterattack Battle with the Colossus and The Open Way Battle with the Colossus by Koatani from the video game Shadow of the Colossus. All film and audio clips belong to the respective copyright holders and no infringement is intended or implied. Please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts and or Podchaser to spread the word about the show. You can also support us by joining MIFV Max on Patreon. The Monster Island Film Vault is a Moonlighting Ninjas Media production. Sayonara!